The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Today's guest is Vlad Sedler. You might know him as Roto Guts on Twitter. Uh, he does amazing stuff at uh, Fantasy League Guru. Vlad, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Nick. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, I know you've had a lot of uh, solid guests, so I'm, I'm very happy to be uh, the next one here. Oh, I mean, Vlad, it, it's uh, I think I speak for everybody when I say that you're such a warm presence inside of the fantasy industry, really uh, showcasing for everybody when they become a part of it of what you're supposed to be like. You know, everyone helps each other out. Everybody welcomes the next person, um, gives advice, takes people under their wing. I mean, I remember this with you when, uh, you know, at first pitch Arizona, meeting you for the first time, I was very much like, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll give you a ride to this place. We'll talk about life, everything like that. Uh, and uh, yeah, just thanks again for being a part of this and uh, being that uh, shining light for all of us in the industry. No, I, I appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, I mean, it just, uh, it, it sort of feels like the, just the right way to, uh, to treat people, um, right thing to do. And, um, you know, just, it, it, it's great to, when we get together in, in person and, and we all get to meet up and put faces to names. And, you know, one of the, the, the wild things about, uh, Twitter is a lot of people, we can just go, down certain avenues or, or sort of forget that there's a, a person behind uh, yeah. you know, the persona. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, man, I can't wait for, I can't wait for October. I really hope they're doing that again. And uh, I think it's going to sell it in like 10 minutes or something this year. Cause we're all just itching to go back. It's, it's really a fantastic weekend. The, f- the first pitch. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wrote like every single week. I feel like I'm saying that. So yes, I am. I will be the first person to advertise uh, for baseball HQ's first pitch Arizona. Um, but I really, really can't wait. And it'll be really nice seeing you there. But Vlad, today we're going to be talking a lot about you and just your story, where you're from and how you got to be where you are and really to understand the human behind the Twitter persona and all the work that you do. So let's start at the very beginning. Vlad, where did you grow up? I uh, grew up in Los Angeles, so I'm uh, a first-generation Russian-American. Uh, my parents uh, both came from Moscow in the late oh, really? 70s. Yeah, we had some family had already moved to Los Angeles uh, a couple years prior. Uh, I was born in, in Rome, Italy, actually, on the way when my mom was oh, pregnant, wow. when they were immigrating from, uh, from Moscow and the Soviet Union at the time uh, to the United States. 
Um, basically, you know, everyone in the family is a, is an, in dental, you know, dad's is a dentist, uh, family owns a dental lab, grandparents were dental technicians. Um, and so that was kind of the thing, you know, coming to LA, especially being a, a, a kid, education was heavily stressed. It was basically like, you know, just be a doc, you know, like typical Jewish parents. Uh, my mom isn't Jewish. My dad is, but still it was like, you know, we, we didn't grow up in a religious home, but it was still, um, just be a doctor or lawyer. It puts food on the right. table for your kids, you know? Well, this explains why you have such great teeth, Vlad. You know, I, I, I don't really want to ask that of people like, are you parents, <laughs> dentists? But uh, I, we can all get a sense of that. Um, so, so you're in LA then. I mean, after, of course, your brief stint in Italy, uh, and which I imagine was what, like two months or something along those lines. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Does that mean you have dual citizenship then? No, um, I could get it if I live there a certain amount of years, um, I guess, because uh, a lot of people were migrating during the time in, in, the, sure. in the early 80s and um, you know, some countries that basically that broke apart and people trying to, uh, to flee there. I think it, they kept it where you have to live a certain amount of years. So no dual citizenship um, and, and, you know, very li- little uh, Italian tongue. Un po. <laughs> well, I'm sure you've been asked these questions a lot, so I'm sorry to uh, to keep you know to, to to force you to go into the I guess the book of what you normally say. No, 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 I do not have citizenship. I, I don't know <laughs> Italian, all that stuff. But I but here you are. You're in L.A. and at some point you said, "I don't think I'm going to become a dentist." When was that? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, early on, just visiting my dad in the office and just seeing that. For me, ideally, like working in in, in people's mouths um, wasn't wasn't really <laughs> a uh, way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't wasn't really a best case scenario. Um, yeah, I mean, I just you know, in in, in school, I uh, uh, studied economics. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, went to uh, UC Santa Cruz, so that's a you know school up north. Everybody knows the banana slug shirt that John Travolta wore in Pulp Fiction years ago. That's kind of you know put, put the school on the map. Um, very very different, very free loving sort of environment, um, much different than Los Angeles. And so that was my first time at age 18, 17, actually, that I branched away and was on my own, had to start doing my own laundry. Uh, so I was, you know, I was an economics major. I don't think I ever really wanted to get into, uh, into medical and dental. Right. So, so, I mean, from there then, uh, here you are, you, you, you've got econ under your belt. Traditionally that turns into, you know, going into finance and you're, uh, maybe you're staying in LA, maybe you're going off to New York or another city or something like that. And yeah, what was the next step for you? So I, my dream as a child was to be the, uh, the play-by-play announcer for the Los Angeles Kings, the hockey oh, team. Right. I wanted to take over for Bob Miller. He was my idol. Uh, huh. So that was the path. Um, and another story we can, we can sidestep to later that a lot of people probably know from, from previous uh, podcasts is the, uh, the fact that I'm kind of like one of the only Russians in the industry and kind of how I got into fantasy and, and sort of like my Dodger connections, all we talk about that later, but it was, uh, so I wanted to be the, the, the King's announcer. And basically I applied to, for our, an internship with, uh, with Fox sports West LA. So that was basically my first job. Um, and it actually turned into something nice. It, it really was, uh, was a thing of beauty. So this was the early two thousands. Um, actually I was working for them when, when, um, uh, when 9-11 happened. Uh, so I remember that vividly. And uh, basically, I was you know, a couple of jobs there, but one of them was to uh, to cut tape for Kings games, Lakers, uh, Dodgers. 
And then I got to work in the production studios with, uh, wow. with production trucks, basically. So that yeah. was really good, uh, really good experience. Uh, the production side, uh, truck side was, you know, going to like USC, college basketball games, Pepperdine, uh, got to be uh, a red hat, which is basically the person that kind of controls the, uh, the TV timeouts, um, you know, continue to cut tape. But the ultimate, the dream, and because they didn't have a lot of hockey folk at the time, they just kind of stuck me on everything that was Los Angeles Kings. Mm-hmm. So I actually got to work with Bob Miller, uh, my idol. My job was basically to sit in a booth or stand in a booth with a headset on with Bob Miller and Jim Fox, who was the the color guy, and uh, basically capture the ISOs. So, uh, you know, number seven is, you know, here by the boards or whatever. And then I also would hand Bob Miller or Bob Miller would hand me the lineup to give uh, to the producers. I got to work on the ice and the penalty box and, you know, all that, that sort of thing. Great. Yeah. Amazing. So that was the dream. Oh, uh, that was 21. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like 21, 22. But because most of these jobs were in, you know, the, in the evening and sort of low pay, uh, I balanced it out by uh, ending ending up getting a job at the uh, the J Paul Getty Museum, and so I worked there in the finance and admin, um, sort of at the same time while doing the thing. And then I just it just I don't know it just it never never really went anywhere. I you know had the opportunity myself where I could have you know literally handed them a reel of myself to you know kind of pursue that uh, you know public speaking and or I'm sorry the. Uh, uh, you know, sideline reporting and things like right, that. Yeah. And I think I just sort of chased the, at a certain point, I was like, you know, what? I like the stability of a nine to five. I like getting a, a, a consistent paycheck. Uh, and that's the direction that I ended up going in. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so here's the, here's the thing, Vlad, like I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about saying, look, you're, you're putting yourself out there. There's a different lifestyle that you have to have um, to be the talent, right. To be that person. And, uh, there's a lot of, um, I don't know. I I feel like the, the, the basic nine to five. And as I use air quotes with that gets a lot of hate or uh, it gets kind of slung through the mud a bit as boring and uninteresting and you're, you're restricting yourself. And man, for a very long time, I I thought to myself that that's all I want. I just want stability. I just want something, you know, that, that every day I know exactly what that routine is and I can plan that out and have that a uh, good work life balance and there's i mean there's so much appealing about that and uh it doesn't deserve any of the hate that it gets um it's something that i actually i thought i was destined for forever and maybe at some point that is what i do um but this is yeah it, the the world of content creation and um sure fancy baseball is that essentially because it's you know we're creating content for an entertainment mm-hmm. purpose uh but it's so different now uh, with so many different avenues from uh, twitch streams and youtube and article content and podcasts and so on and so forth that it blends all the days together and mm-hmm. there is so much of a comfort hearing a nine to five i just imagine man what if i had a nine to five and didn't write from 11 to 1 a.m. Yep. And uh, and didn't do anything on the weekends. And there's some there's a piece to that. So, yeah, I, I completely understand that. You, you had a crossroads at some point then because, I mean, that's the dream, right? You wanted to call games, hockey games here. There's another element to it. I, I Now that I'm thinking about it, it was probably just sort of uh, kind of deep down inside. As I was telling you that, I was trying to think, what was it? Why did I actually end up going, kind of going with the stability of, uh, of the Getty? 
Yeah. And I remember it was the environment. It was the people. Mm -hmm. I think at some point, uh, so I grew up always kind of the, uh, the nice guy. You're a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. Nice guys do actually, you know, get things done. And when you need to put your foot down, put your foot down. Um, Something tells me that, you know, we don't take, we don't always take crap. There's a certain point where we don't, but part of the reason and and what framed me to always be really nice to people is because I grew up in a, in a, I don't know how to put it, just Russian environment. I had a father who was very, um, always getting in conflicts with people. And he always thought he was doing it, you know, sort of for the right thing, but it was, you know, it was a type of thing where like, you know, it, the, the, the too honest would always get him in trouble. Like as a dentist, he would tell sure. uh, a patient in the chair, you know, like an 80 year old patient, Oh, you'll have the nicest looking dentures in the whole cemetery. And to him, that's a joke. <laughs> oh <laughs> Luckily <my> she laughed. <laughs> Luckily she laughed, but you can understand how a person gets in trouble like that. <laughs> so yes, yes, there's a, there's, Oh man. Wow. So wow. I grew up always sensitive to sort of his interactions with people and, and, I sort of took a different approach to that. So when I got sure. into this industry and it was, I, I was getting things done and I was moving up really quickly. And so I started getting sort of jealousy and hate, not only from the other interns, but some of the full-time people like, you know, word to get back to me, like, you know, basically talking smack, like how did he move up so quickly or how did he get right, this yeah. job and that job? Or why is he, you know, this person producers, you know, favorite guy, why is he getting all those gigs? And I think that sort of ate up on me and the way that other you know people treated me. And so sure. I just, leaned on the the nine to five. I'm like, Hey, this is a normal place. When I'm done, I can come home and watch games. Yeah. Hey, I completely understand that. Uh, and that, that's not an easy thing. Um, I mean, I will say inside of like our, you know, our bubble of the fantasy baseball community, it's, it's much better than what I've seen from others. Uh, and we've that's a nice way to put it. it. Yeah. It's, it's uh. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've had a lot of really great people that are welcoming and set the right tone for us. I mean, yourself very much included Vlad, uh, that have, you know, said like, Hey, we don't do that kind of thing. You know, whenever it's, um, very important, we try to, we try to stay along those paths. And we've, I've seen other communities that are just, it is, it is unbearable. Um, now at that being said, there always are going to be comments and anything you do publicly, if you're doing any sort of content creation, there's always going to be so many, that are trying to bring you down. Um, and there are two phrases for this. One my, my, my dad would always say is, there's a Turkish phrase for that. The dog mm-hmm. barks, the caravan passes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other is, uh, you can't pull down that which hasn't risen. Right? Nice. I like it. So I, so that, that, those kind of things, you just got to you know, block out the haters. And uh, you're going to have to deal with that in every step of the way. But I mean... You don't get that in a nine to five, uh, and you don't put yourself at constant, um, uh, well, in the in the way for a barrage to happen if that you know wants to come mm-hmm. to existence. So I, I I completely understand that, and yeah, those people stink. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's ugh, it bothers me so much that those kind of conversations have to happen. Um, but yeah, I understand why that pushes you in the opposite direction. But still, at, at the same time, so you were doing the nine to five. Uh, and you found your way back to creating content again. So was there just kind of an itch that was there and you finally found a way to scratch it again? So, uh, during this time and, and, and starting in high school, I would always, I was, I was a big, uh, fantasy player and all that stemmed from my youth being a you know, big fan of, uh, of baseball cards of, you know, I was just 
I was just a memorizer of information back in the day. And, sure. uh, you know, like, like many of us that have this, this common bond, we remember when we were young, like we would just like for myself, we didn't have, uh, cell phones this is the nineties. Uh, we didn't have cell phones or if we did, they were, you know, the, the, the large, huge ones. And that was towards the end of the nineties and we would get the newspaper and that's how we would get our, our stats. And so, uh, I had this, you know, big desk in my office or my office. I didn't have an office as a kid <laughs> in my room, there was a desk and there was like this glass, uh, you know, this glass thing over it. And underneath, I just had different pieces of paper that I would rewrite every day. Like, you know, the NHL goal leaders, assist leaders, my favorite uh, MLB players, and then a rank. And I would change those rankings around every day. So I was obsessed with all that. And then I was obsessed with the, with the Dodgers and baseball because, you know, they're just uh, growing up in a, in a Russian family. They don't understand the game. They don't understand baseball. Therefore, they, you know, sort of poo-poo it. And so the only way I really got into it was through a, um, like a family friend, an old, you know, rotary guy in dentistry who, uh, who actually uh, played high school um, or not high school. I'm sorry. He, he played in, in Jackie Robinson's last year. He was on the UCLA team in the four. Oh, wow. So he would take me to games in the, in the eighties and nineties and play catch with me because my, you know, my dad didn't, didn't play cash. We didn't play baseball. So that's how I kind of got into uh, being obsessed with stats, um, baseball sports. And, and I grew up playing ice right. hockey. Uh, then I started playing f- uh, fantasy late nineties, random Yahoo leagues started with hockey and baseball. Um, and then in late nineties, uh, early two thousands, I was uh, introduced by my college friend to uh, CDM sports. And that's actually the the launching pad for a lot of the best players in uh, in the world in terms of fantasy baseball, like the guys that the, the high stick guys that are really crushing it. Now you're, uh, you know, Dave Potts's, Lindy Hinkleman's, Jim Christie's, like the guys that started, they all started playing at uh, CDM. And that was a salary cap game set up at the time. It was uh, sponsored by USA Today. So I had over 20,000 entries um, at that time. You know, it was 25 grand was yeah. the large prize. That was the grand prize. So my first year playing, my buddy and I came in fourth place. Hey. So as a young guy, you know, finally had you know, a little bit of money to, you know, to be able. And that is what kind of launched me into playing fantasy. Uh, eventually I got into NF- NFBC and all that, but that's sort of, of course. where I got started. And that sort of got me in, in back into writing. Oh man. I mean, look at you, you are, you know, econ major who, uh, who got addicted or not addicted, but really roped into the whole NFBC thing early on. Of course you have the, the best fab article every single Sunday. It all makes sense now, Vlad. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, by the way, if you guys don't know that article that Vlad puts out, I mean, it's it's the staple. It's the it's the one that every other Fab article is trying to be, um, and that comes out, of course, on Sundays. Um, I think I, I said the wrong name before, by the way, Guru Fantasy Elite. If I, uh, well, it's it it can be confusing because our our DFS site's Elite Fantasy, and then our. Uh, our season-long site where my fab article is, that's Fantasy Guru. Right. Um, they were originally a football site uh, for, for, for 20 years, John Hansen, so they're they're well-known. And then the, then we added the baseball element to it uh, three years ago. So, that's so there what- you go. Fa- Fantasy Guru, definitely sign up for that and read Vlad's articles. They are incredible. Uh, so, okay, so it's all making sense now. And then, so you say you had this 9 to 5, right? I. Uh, and at some point, you started getting more and more into the writing side. Uh, wh- what was the first, you know, say application you had, or really the first article you started writing? So this is, I had probably two thousand seven, two thousand eight. 
Uh, I had had su- uh, success in, um, in, in the CDM and the salary cap format, both in baseball and, and in football. Uh, and I, um, met some folks through NFBC my first year's playing. And one of these guys had a site, uh, sports draft daily, actually the guy's still around, uh, Sean Childs and, uh, Chad Fleming. And they were like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to write something? So, uh, so I did, that was my first sort of, you know, free paid, uh, I'm sorry, free job, not paid. And basically I just write a baseball article a week. And I just remember just loving it, being obsessed uh, with it. Uh, you know, it was a, um, AP English in 12th grade was my, was my favorite class and excelled at that. And always thought I was a good writer. Got a, got a perfect on my SAT two writing. Uh, so I'm like, Hey, let's, you know, let's, let's do this. Look at you, uh, Mr. Econ with a, with a perfect SAT, SAT two writing. Uh, do you remember your first article uh, that you wrote? It was a, uh, I think it was like a value column, values column, like, uh, or, or pickups, uh, players underperforming who, who to pick up. Nice. Okay. I'm going to assume that you got all of them correct because, I mean, of course you did. And that's everyone that does <laughs> fantasy baseball is always right 100% oh, of the time. Always, always. Just so we're clear here and we've established that moving forward. No, I, that's always interesting. Like we, we put so much pressure on that first article when we're doing it because understandably so is our first thing. And then eventually we don't remember what it, I mean, I don't remember the first one I did. I, I have no idea. Um, I do remember my first rotographs. That was actually Reynaldo Lopez's MLB debut. I think oh, wow. it was that, or maybe it was his debut for the White Sox. I don't know, but I, yeah, I wrote that until like two a.m. <laughs> uh-huh. or something along those lines. But that was, I mean, that was four years ago. I uh, that that was a lot more recent, I imagine. And I, uh, you know, then then these value articles, and and you said that you were doing these once a week. I uh, when did that switch into something else? And you know, you you grabbed onto other opportunities so early 20 teens so i i knew uh charlie we uh Wieger, and he is uh one of the oldest guys uh, not by age or maybe by age two but one of the oldest uh he's called the godfather of fantasy sports and he was the sure. one responsible during the uh his, his company cdm was behind the um uh basically defending fantasy sports in the ml mlbam uh the suit over oh, you know, players rights yeah. So they were instrumental in the, in that and definitely really actually helped save fantasy sports. Uh, and I knew Charlie just cause I was winning his games and he was, he was sending me paychecks and he was like, man, you're, you know, this guy's pretty good. So he invited me to help him uh, remotely uh, help him in the FSWA at the time, the fantasy sports writers, I'm sorry, FSTA fantasy sports trade association um, uh, draft baseball uh, draft that, that happened at the conference in January to help him draft it, to help him win. Hmm. And, you know, so jumped on board there and live got to meet, you know, some of these people. And I, you know, I still remember like, you know, just kind of being overwhelmed and, and, and you know, to me, these were the stars, you know, I grew, I grew right. up in LA, like I can run into, you know, whoever, uh, Brad Pitt or Selena Gomez, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really move the needle for me. But yeah, you know, to me, the people I respect within the industry are like, you know, bigger sp- stars for me. Like I remember, you know, Jeff Erickson is my good friend now, but my first time meeting Jeff, it was like, oh, yeah. listening to him on Sirius and uh, seeing his work for many years. Uh, so for me, this was all, you know, really cool. So I went to that first event and because I'd been at some NFBC events. Um, so Charlie introduced me to Ron Chandler and that was actually my first job was um, writing for Baseball HQ. So I would was was part of their you know sort of uh, one of their freelancers, right? You know, under the wing of uh, Brent Hershey and Ray Murphy, and that's where I got my start. 
from there, just kind of the short version from there, went to, uh, to Rotowire uh, under Jeff Erickson, Derek Van Riper, and uh, had a barometer column. That was sort of my first like on the map column. And then from there, hired by what was Fantasy Guru at the time, that became the full-time opportunity. And so I've been with them now since their inception four years ago. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and of course, no surprise, uh, Baseball HQ is just, it's unbelievable how many people are tied to it uh, across the industry now. I mean, it, it's such a fantastic organization. As once again, yes, I swear to you, I am not a shill for Baseball HQ. <laughs> it, they're just fantastic. They are. And, uh, you know, they, they just deserve are. all the respect. Um, but I... But so, so right now, are you full time with uh, with Fantasy Guru, or I mean, I, I believe you have other things that you work on as well. I've got a lot of things uh, kind of working on. I mean, or what I do. So I'm basically I'm full time with in two two careers. So mm-hmm. uh, one is a fantasy. You know, is obviously the fantasy career, and that takes up basically half my days, my evenings and weekends. And then I also have another job that I have some flexibility with, um, basically working in, in uh, like managing uh, production for uh, uh, apparel and um, um, jewelry for a high-end luxury brand. Um, so I've been with them for a few years. So that, you know, between those two things, I am, you know, to the max full. I also have my real estate uh, license because uh, I was in real estate and, and sold properties back in the day. I don't actively use that or practice it, but anyone in the LA area needs a home, I'll hook you up. Uh, that's it. And then, and then of course, you know, my, my 30 fantasy teams that I manage, that's, I think is a full third, third full-time job. Right. So, so you have 31 children then. I have I have thirty one yes yeah <laughs> thirty well the 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 draft and holds are maybe half kids okay fair enough all right but yeah I mean it's uh of course I'm mentioning I uh, I I believe it's a daughter I, I'm trying to remember son right. son son ah yeah so close uh, it was fifty fifty all right uh but that's wonderful and um and of course we can see all on Twitter every week you post all of the bids that you made which is. For for me, it's incredibly helpful. It keeps me sane when I make mine. Just say, okay, cool. Vlad did this. All right, I feel a little bit better mm-hmm. making this one. Or actually, sometimes it doesn't keep me sane at all <laughs> uh, when I see how vastly different mine were. Uh, so so let's talk for a moment about um, you kind of as a writer and evolving into that in that position. It, it is really important to note that you this wasn't just all of a sudden a skill you created out of nowhere. You, know, you had the background for this econ major and, you know, AP English. You loved it. Excellent. in your SAT twos with it. I mean, there has to be an innate skill set for you to be able to do this. I think so. Uh, well, I mean, yes, of course. And there's also the the constant uh, working at it, I think, is, is really important because if writers who really care, they are able to visualize their audience. They're able to see who they're writing to and they need to allow that to be a motivation for them and not let it be seen like a task, especially a lot of times when we're, we don't always get to write, you know, beautiful creative pieces or research pieces like, you know, like, like a lot of your work, which is is excellent, literally top notch. Um, Part of the reason why I have a lot of respect for you, not just as a person, as a writer, Um, but it's, it's hard yeah, but it's it's hard. It's it, it is really easy to, to to get off track, especially in a long season. It's a twenty six week grind, and then you got all the pre uh, preseason stuff that you're prepping to be able to keep yourself on task and reminding that there are people that you know that that rely on this and work on this. Like for example, this weekend it's you know it's my wife's birthday. We're gonna we're actually gonna head out 
out of town. And I'm thinking about how I'm going to handle this fab article, not to miss news and still be able to provide for people. Cause usually it comes out on Saturday. Then I do a Sunday update, but I'm going to work everything around, still make sure I have the time for my family. Cause that's my priority, but also make sure that this is, you know, getting to the people because they rely on it. Like I literally cannot let them down. So, you know, whether it's going to end up being right or not, at least I can give them enough info to help them sort of form their own opinion their decision. But to me, that's important. Like I have the, you know, on my shoulders, the responsibility of, of my subscribers and, and friends who are, who are waiting for this. Absolutely. And I think you, you made a really good point there um, about it's not necessarily about being right. It's about providing the information that you see that is, you think valuable and then they can, you know, adjust in their leagues as they want because right again as i was being facetious before uh we're not obviously going to be right every time and if we go into this you know with a with a ego or being conceited and arrogant about our opinions being the correct one always i mean you're just gonna look silly it's gonna be quickly apparent how uh how I don't know, incorrect of it or an approach that is. But the best thing we can do is say, hey, these are the things that I'm seeing. This is making me lean this way. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to hear why, you know, why we could be leaning in a different way. And it's very likely it could go that way. And the, the more that you can do that, you know, the more helpful you'll be to everyone else because it, it, it's, you know, it, you're never going to be Nostradamus. You're never, uh, you're never going to just instantly stand out by getting that one pick right or something. People are just going to say, well, yeah, you just happen to pick that person and who cares? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they have any sort of reason to it. It's just kind of chance. But if you map out why you did you know, the, the exact process, maybe there is something that can allow you to stick out a little bit differently. About unless, it's, uh, unless it's the Christian Yelich call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was that one? Uh, what was that was- exactly for you? Uh, so this was uh, three years ago. It was actually, I, I think it's, it was kind of a unique moment that uh, I think I, it just, for whatever reason, went viral and got a lot of attention is because I was adamant that, or basically I, I tweeted that he was going to be a, uh, a top five uh, and basically an MVP candidate and a, a, a first round fantasy pick and save this tweet is what I wrote. Oh my God, Vlad. And that's what happened. And so, yeah. So, and, well, the the fun, the best part of all the people in my mentions that that day that were like, oh, oh, you know, ground ball rate, this, that, and the other. Right. right. I that is my one skill, and, and obviously, it's not always on. It's like it's my my instinct, my gut on certain things. If I'm feeling something, like this year, it was Vladimir Guerrero. It was like Guerrero is going to be the man. It's literally the only bet I made. Uh, was him a AL MVP? It's like I know this, I feel this in in my bones. Yeah. That's how it was with Yelich. And yes, I think there was some bias there. It's you know I have like a, a friend of mine that went to high school with him and told just told me about his amazing you know insane work ethic. It was also the confluence of events of how what a good hitter he was. I always thought he was going to win an, a a, uh, a batting title. Right. But when he moved to Milwaukee and uh, the fact that he was you know he's going to that ballpark and just everything in terms of like the timing of, of him entering that city in his career uh, you know, just a lot of different things made me feel that he was the guy and for where he was going, he was a fantastic pick and I wasn't the only one who liked him or said it, but that was just a call that happened to stick out to people. You know, you got to trust the Roto gut, right? It's uh, a, <laughs> it's a Roto gut pick. Absolutely. Oh, that, that's great. And actually that's a fun discussion of, um, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, 
you have everyone, every analyst, I believe, has their specific players, right? That that's just for whatever reason, this one player is associated with them. And you've made it, of course, with Yelich here. Um, love the Vlad call as well. I mean, I think everyone will, you know, talk to Batflip crazy a bit about about Vladimir Guerrero as well. But are there other guys that you found over the years that you're just like, oh yeah, that is, I, I just feel attached to the hip with this player, live or die. Ah oh, man, I mean, yeah, there there are a whole bunch. A lot, a lot of times, like honestly, and, and as silly as it sounds, sometimes it's just like uh, a name and the team he's on. It's it, going back to to the '90s. There were just a lot of times where I, I felt like I sort of, un, you know, quote unquote, discovered someone just because I liked them, and, and they turned into something. I mean, I don't know, like uh, uh, Magla Ordonez sticks out as somebody that yeah. uh, was all, you know, was always my guy that I feel that I was early on, uh, you know. I don't know a lot of different players, but uh, with Guerrero, I just kind of stuck with it for, for this year. What it, what it came down to me was the, um, the weight loss. It, honestly, that was the trigger that I had been waiting for, for him to realize. And it was that in a quote that he had about how he wanted what Acuna and, and, um, and Soto and those guys had, he figured he's just as good as them, but he just needed to sort of unlock that step. So he had that drive, that motivation. Mm-hmm. And also when you're in a family where you know you, you kind of have that natural talent, everything comes to you naturally. You just kind of hit home runs in your sleep, whatever. You don't have to do that extra work. And you have a family that cooks you all this like amazing good food. You don't have to kind of do that extra step. You can just sort of slide by in the league. And he just, something in him that summer was like, no, you know, forget this. I'm going to do this the right way. That's the trigger I was waiting for. And that's, you know, what, what I'm, I'm happy to see this year. Oh man. I, uh, well, okay. So, for better or worse, I have, <laughs> I certainly have players that I'm I'm associated with. I think, I mean, Aaron Nola, I think was the first one for me. I mm-hmm. uh, I think back when he came up in 2015, uh, the second half of that year, pretty much like, just jumping pretty much straight to the majors really quickly. I I always I just I was enamored instantly, and I think back then even I know it sounds so recent. That was just six years ago. My God, that was six years ago. But it was six years ago, and. I we were still kind of behind. It was it's, there's a huge gap between prospects now and 2015. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, in the past six years, when it comes to access to video and discussion of it, and you know things like Prospects Live makes a huge difference for our understanding of prospects. You know, we've really embraced that discussion a lot more. Um, maybe it could be the the super waves of Mike Trout really affecting everything about right. We actually want to be on top of all of the prospects now. Yeah. But uh, by the time Aaron Nola was still kind of just this, oh, he's just a pitcher and he hasn't performed well, so he's bad. And I I remember being on that for so long, and it finally panned out, and it took so long to get there. Um, and you know, now I have, you know, live every day like it's Nola Day t-shirts mm-hmm. for that. But now, I mean, you'll understand this now, too. I don't know where you were on Yelich entering this year or last year or whatever. But did you find yourself after saying, hey, Yelich is going to be amazing. There he is, is amazing. And then after that being, hey, guys, uh, let's not be so excited about Christian Yelich now. Did you ever, have you ever find yourself but on the other side of it? That's the that is the name of the game. You right? you you. You, you leave at the top, but you don't want to exactly. go tumbling down with uh, not to say that in my 30 teams that there wasn't a, a spot where, you know, in the late first round that I didn't draft him because I thought he was the best uh, pick at the time. Yes, but no, that was his year. Um, you know, the, the following year, I don't think I got had many shares. His, his follow up to his MVP year was incredible. Uh, 
but he wasn't on my main teams now for any reason other than he was now a first round pick. So I'm always right. looking for that's that's my annual column every year. It's it's you know this year's Yelich uh, in the preseason. Then I write. Uh, in this year's Yelich column, my guy was Meadows. The only reason why is because there's a specific uh, context to it that involves also stolen bases being part of uh, part of the formula and being a top 60 guy. So I, in, in the beginning of the article, I, I excluded Vladimir Guerrero and Aaron Judge saying, I love these two guys. They just don't fit the model and the criteria. Yeah. So Meadows is my guy. But I'm always looking for for those next guys, you know, like, I, I mean, you, you you don't want to be left holding the bag. You want to get in before everyone else does, before everyone's talking about him on Twitter. So, uh, and that's, a you know, right now it's, it's Manoa, it's Manoa season, right? So <laughs> you're not getting Manoa yeah. cheap. Nobody is. Oh, well, yeah. Manoa, you had to, I mean, Manoa was the guy that you had to add before it happened. Uh, it was, I think I had Manoa stashed in two or three as just like, if there's going to be one pitching prospect, I'm going to stash. It's going to be this guy as of right now. Because it felt very imminent, especially with how the Blue Jays have just been decimated with that rotation. And yet they are still very, very competitive in the ALEs. It seemed like, oh yeah, Manoa, like you gotta, you gotta arrive at, at some point here. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, it's just fascinating. I mean, I, I get emotionally involved with all of these pitchers. I can't help myself. I, mm-hmm. there's a reason I say that I want every pitcher to be dope because I truly believe that, you know, hitters are just cardboard cutouts inside of the batter's box to me. Yeah. I don't care. Uh-huh. They only serve the purpose of, of letting the pitchers play this game, right? Hey, it ain't, it ain't called hitter list. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so for me, I just want every pitcher to do well and, um, it feels so, unnatural for me to say i think it was entering 2019 right after nola demolished it in 2016 i mean i mean sorry in 18 he was so he was at the top of it all right and everyone expected me like all right he's gonna have like nola number four number five and i put nola at 10 in the preseason and even put out to the discord saying hey you guys are gonna be really upset with this and i'm so sorry but yeah you're not gonna like who's at number 10 and uh and that's just kind of the nature of it you have to you know, it, it's we 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 foresee the breakout or we foresee what could happen is what I should say. Like that was a possibility. I, I don't think that you were necessarily saying like Christian Yelich is going to be the MVP. You're saying okay, based on how the public assessment is of Yelich winning the MVP, I think there's a much likelier chance than everyone else giving him credit. Right? Mm-hmm. You you see the you know the scales in that way. But then when it does happen, you're like, okay, well, what's this perception now? Oh, now it's this. Well, then we got to constantly be changing it. And it's hard. It's hard to do that. Um, like, for example, Luis Castillo. I'm like, <laughs> I was yeah. in love with him. I, I, I remember my article on, on Rotographs, like five at-bats to showcase why I love Luis Castillo in 2017 when he first came up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, the fireside chats that do the sport are just like a product of those uh, because he was so disappointed in 2018. Um, but then he got great and then I wasn't as interested because it, you know, the pendulum swings so quickly, uh, on how we yeah. feel about players. And I mean, I'm sure you'll say this is that well, the pendulum, there's a reason why the middle is, it gets passed through so often with mm-hmm. the pendulum because that's where it most constantly sits. Uh, so it, it's, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And, and everybody wants to be first on yeah. on players and a lot of times there's it, it's difficult to to recognize um that a lot of times these 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 guys have adjustment periods i mean sure cody poteet uh stepped up and you know three straight gems and and out of nowhere uh 
right? And over the last couple of weeks, just completely off off the radar for most regular, just uh, uh, fantasy folk who don't really dive into prospects. Yet Daniel Lynch comes up, everybody's waiting for him. He gets blasted. Logan uh, Gilbert, the same thing. And so, you know, we want to be first, but there's also that, that, that balance. And of course it depends on the size league you play too, right? A lot of these, these prospects coming up, you don't want to start a rookie pitcher in their first major league start no, you don't. Uh, in a 10 team league or a 10, 12 or you're not going to get Manoa eight times right. out of 10. Even if that's actually a, a discussion I was having with someone, um, I actually put out a, a, a tweet saying that be careful with Manoa. This is just only because not anything about his talent or his skill set or anything was just because he's a, a, a rookie pitcher playing for the Blue Jays in the toughest uh, hitters park parks in the league, like the AL East rocks, Boston, yeah. the Yankees, Fenway, Camden. I mean, these are tough places. So eventually there's, you know, just, just be careful with that. After I saw him and saw him, it was this, it was the Sabathia esque swagger. It was just this, th- there's just something about him, you know, right. When you have a feeling about someone like this guy looks like, not just cause he's passionate and, and on the mound, but just, I mean, the guy rocks. Yeah. He's going to have some bumps in the road along the way, but like, you know, how do we really know rest of season? Like if you pull right now, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but if you pull someone right now, Gilbert or Manoa rest of season, it's going to be 95% Manoa. Absolutely. But is it really 95? It could be 50, 50. Right. Oh, that's a, that's a great point. Um, yeah. They, uh, you're, you're just talking about that swagger and there is something to be said about you're watching a player and you, do you feel anxiety with every pitch or do you not? Right. Do you yeah. feel confident that the next pitch they're going to throw is going to be a good one? Or do you, and I, I see that as, are they battling themselves or are they mm-hmm. battling the pitcher? Or sorry, the, the hitter. I always yeah. do that. Always. <laughs> uh, I've done that multiple times. I even said like, okay, so Dobnek is battling himself or the pitcher. I'm like, wait a second. It's Dobnek versus Dobnek. <laughs> That's not right. Um, it is sometimes. But, uh, sometimes when he's on the mound, it is Dobnek versus Dobnek. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. But right. I mean, are they, you know, um, is it a start where they they're actually in command and it's just about okay now i can really do the next steps of proper sequencing mm-hmm. and really utilizing my stuff to to um to weave my way through this lineup or is it just throw a fastball for a strike please okay cool now i need to do a slider that isn't bounced or something like that and mm-hmm. then if you feel of it like that and you feel the anxiety of the pitcher that's not a good thing but alec manoa i mean he threw all three pitches and all counts and stuff but here we are you know what i'm gonna stop this this is my fault this is my fault, Vlad. We went We're into not player to talk analysis, fantasy baseball okay. strategy, and everything. This is Nick Pollock and friends. Yes, we talk about the humans behind it, yes. <laughs> not the game itself. So, Vlad, I remember this last year. I uh, when you you were very kind and brought on me and, and Alex onto your show. I uh, I believe you hinted that you're you're musical, correct? You, you play a bit of guitar. Uh, I I um. I'm musical. I mean, not more, any more so than the average person. I mean, I grew up playing piano. I grew up playing oh. pianos and concerts as a, you know, as a kid. Uh, um, I grew up writing uh, freestyles and it, same right. thing. Just like to, you know, I would, it, it, when I was a kid, I would watch videos on MTV, you know, like the, you know, whatever vanilla ice or, or young MC bust a move or baby got back or whatever these are. I would tape them on, you know, the, on the VHS on the tape and then write down the lyrics, record them, and then like, you know, kind of repeat them. So I would learn That's rap songs that way. We yeah. didn't have, you know, rap genius or whatever it was back then. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I would just, you know, in college, I would, you know, just 
get up on stage sometimes at, um, you know, at events or parties and just start like, you know, freestyling and flowing, rapping. Um, you know, I'm just, you know, just kind of my thing. Yeah. So can you, um, I mean, I'll give you a minute. I'll tell a story in the meantime, but I do want a fantasy baseball freestyle that's possible, uh, on this podcast in the next couple of minutes. No, I won't actually do that for you. No, I mean, um, no, we could, I mean, if you give me a beat, I can come up with something. I'm sure. (laughs) Um, I don't do you know do if beats? I can, I mean, I could beatbox something, but man, this sounds would be, I, I'm wondering how cringy my beatbox would be for this. I, uh, I'll give you, okay, you know, I'll, I'll give you something and I would, I think everyone would love to hear you give a, a freestyle on, um, free agent pickups this year you've made. I think that would be, <laughs> there's, there's so many that you've made. There are a lot of names to rhyme with possibly there. Uh, in the meantime, I'll tell you one of the most embarrassing moments I had, which is uh, my mom. I actually um, love my mom, of course. Wonderful. She saw one of those infomercials for uh, Darren's Groovin' Dance Grooves, uh-huh. which is a DVD of, uh, of a choreographer from, the, I guess, the late 90s, early 2000s. And she purchased it for me. Um, and then presented it saying like, hey, now you can learn this uh, for your birthday party. So you can perform with the idea that I was going to learn like um, I, uh, a Britney Spears dance and then perform this <laughs> at my birthday. And I still actually have Darren's Groove and Dance Grooves in my apartment because that's just something you can't get rid of. Yeah. Um, it's a, oh man, what is this Britney Spears song? It's not toxic. It's not. Oops, crazy. I did it again. Yes, it's crazy. <laughs> I just can't sleep. I'm so excited. You just I'm can't in sleep. too deep. I'm in too deep. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's exactly the one. Um, and uh, so I, I've learned it <laughs> <laughs> um, while with friends late at night. Uh, and it's, yeah, I still have this thing. So just imagine me performing at a birthday, my own birthday at 15. So Darren's Groove and Dance Grooves, and that will do it. Okay, so are, are you ready? Are you ready for? A- yeah, they may not all be free Asian guys, but we could uh, we could do our best. Here, <laughs> Here we go. Here's a uh, Vlad Vlad Settler doing a freestyle to free agent pickups this season. Here we go. Here we go. Nick Pollock in France. Vlad Settler. Roto Gut. Uh. Yo, look what I'm starting. Why did I start Corbin Martin? Six earned runs sent to the minors. Man, I don't know what's up with McMiner. He's throwing all the Ks, nine per day. Man, what's up with that? Like who Oscar Noah hitting the cage with his hand. Man, is that Brad Hand? Pitching and getting saves again. Oh, yeah. Take all your Aranolas. I got a Dolas. Garcia. Man, what's up with Avisale? Yo, you see ya? Another free agent on the wire. Jordan Luplo, I don't want him, man. That guy's on fire. Woo. Michael Fulmer, here I go, and I'm getting more saves. Yo, who's next on the plate? Alec Noah, Oray. Here we go. Yo, that's it, man. I'm not Ostaka. I'm Taiwan Waka. On the mound, here we go, round and round, bringing it down. Nick Pollock and friends, Vlad Sedla and the gut, we out now. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> That was so good. Oh, okay. I, had, I haven't done I that in zero, 10 years. I had zero expectations. And that was just, uh, I, I'm blown away. I, I'm blown away. This is what the uh, this is what Nick Pollock and friends will be now moving forward. Uh, we give exclusive 
rap freestyles here live on the oh, podcast. Man. Wow. You got me you got me rapping. You're like my, my psychologist talking about my, my early memories didn't think about in years. Like, man, this is like cathartic, this show. Right? This is you know, that's the idea, is that we're just we're just hanging out. There's no, you know, we're, it's just like a phone call. Oh my God. Well, I am not gonna give you round two. Um, no one <laughs> wants to hear me rap in the slightest. Um, I didn't know you had the skill set in you. This is this is great. You gotta uh I, I wonder if like um, you can have this as a random thing, like just once a year. You said, okay, for your drafts, this is like the Vlad Vlad Settler. Uh, you subscribe now, you get kind of like the Ichiro coming out of the uh, the locker for the All Star game. <laughs> well, we have Vlad's rap. Oh my god! Well, our our mutual friend Sammy Reed is a, an incredible. Uh, rap writer and he would have a football article where he would write about one player in rap form based on a rap song from the 90s i one time was just inspired i took his song and i i rapped it and i just videoed myself in the car doing it and i posted on twitter and so uh the baseball friends like people that know me and love me they loved it but then other people like made fun of me you know like oh you know you know white you know white boy doing rap like i don't care i tried my best i'm on you know i'm on beat i don't think i was fully on beat with uh, with this one but I don't th- also haven't done this in about 10 years. I mean, th- that was amazing, Vlad. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I am so impressed. My God. Okay. Well, we're going to we're going to we're going to keep it flowing here um, and, and talking about yeah, the, being cathartic and talking, you know, psychology and all that mm-hmm. stuff about Vlad. So a question I like to ask everybody um, and you might not have one off the top of your head. Uh, you but you might. I don't know. Do you have any specific mantras that you live by? I, that you that you try to keep and remind yourself often. Uh, I mean, f- for life, it's it's uh, it's I don't know. Part of it is um, there's there are no actual words. It's um, but I guess there's a way to put it into words. It's um, just it's almost like the golden rule. It's just just treat people right. You know, yeah. um, be 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 honest. Treat people right. Um, and it, treat others how you would want yourself to be treated. For me, it's it's a big thing, and also. Uh, trying to understand where other people come from. So like when I'm, when I'm talking to someone doing my best to not just wait my turn to talk, but actually listen to what they're saying. It's very difficult even for me to this day, because especially if you're like you're an argument or you're just, you know, heated discussion, you're just waiting for your turn to talk. So for me being able to listen, understand, um, com- you know, have some um, compassion for, for what someone else is saying, I think is very important. Oh, that's, that's great. Um, yeah. Understanding emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Not just your own, which is a, such a struggle because, you know, we're hardwired to just listen to them always and they mess you up. Emotions are, yeah. they mess us all up so much. Um, but not even just that, then the next step of then understanding everyone else's, uh, oh man, if you can do that, if you can harness mm-hmm. That that emotional intelligence and yeah, knowing your audience in front of you, I uh, there's, there's so much you can achieve <laughs> if you're if you're Indeed. able to do that. So that's that's a wonderful mantra to go by, and it's not really I'm not even talking about it as far as to exploit, more of to be the person you want to be. Um, and it sounds like to me what I'm getting from you, Vlad, is you want to be. I, you know, the, the right person, as you said, but not just for yourself, for other people too. And that's a really, really cool thing. Um, and it doesn't surprise me hearing that from you, Vlad, but it's, it's wonderful and a great mantra. Great answer. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> um, so, uh, so 
as we're closing up here, I one last question I do want to ask is, what do you see ahead for yourself now? Is it um, you have what you're you're going for, and this is you're living the dream, and that's wonderful. Are there other things that you see ahead for yourself that you want to achieve? I mean, what's yeah? What do you what do you see for yourself? Goal wise, well, so the the number one, the most important thing in life has changed for me in the last couple of years is uh, is my family and my son, my wife, and uh, you know that's that's everything to me. So being able to uh, have the the time for them and and to be with my son with whatever activities, sports, and things that he wants to get into, uh, being there for him is is number one. So everything basically revolves around that. Uh, just from a pure fantasy perspective, my goal is 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 always to help people to continue to win their leagues, crush wherever that may be, however that may be, uh, give people the best advice. And, um, and I want to be the best fantasy baseball player in the world. I want to win the main event. Um, you know, have a couple teams in the mix this year. If it's not gonna be this year, I'm going to try again next year. Um, I, I, I like to compete. I like to, you know, to win and, and, and be the best. Um, and, uh, maybe that's, that's, that's how it is. That's what it is for me on the fantasy front. Um, career wise, we're just taking it, um, you know, a, a bit at a time. I don't have like some big plans like, Oh, we're going to do, you know, roto gut central.com or anything like that. It's just, um, uh, just continue to help people, um, and, and, and educate and, and honestly be, uh, be a mentor in the industry the way that, uh, you know, uh, the HQ guys and, and Charlie Wiegert and, and Rotowire guys and uh, you know the current guys have been for me. I want to continue to to be that for people in the industry um, and help. Uh, you know, always there. You know, every, I think everybody knows that that uh, you know breaking breaking through the industry. I'll also be brutally honest. If you know somebody send me an article, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I kind of don't like this part. You want to tweak this out here? There, there's no. The, the the pleasing the, the people pleasing and all that that has changed now that I'm in my, my my early 40s like I'm not the same guy I was in my early 20s where it was just you know you know the the opposite of my dad trying to please everybody like now right. it's just I am who I am I'm very confident in what I do and, and and what I feel about things and I also if I see talent I'm going to promote it if I don't I'm not so that, that's pretty much how it is now. So, so I, mean, I phrase this as what I, I see, you know, what's ahead for, for you, Vlad. Yeah, at the same time, you're telling me things that you're doing right now. You are a mentor for this uh, industry, and we're all incredibly thank you, thankful for you doing that for us. Um, yeah, let's go win in main event, right? You got this. And yeah. I've already purchased uh, rotogutcentral.com, by the way, just in case anyone else <laughs> listening. I own that now. That All right. It's, it's Bring me in 50-50, baby. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I got the... I'm just kidding, of course. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, Vlad, <laughs> thank you so much for being a part of this, man. This was a, such a fun talk with you. Um, I cannot believe I, I'm going to have this uh, freestyle now. Oh, boy. Um, and it's, it's going to be wonderful. I look forward to the next one. Yeah. Um, but uh, enjoy. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, and uh, yeah, really, thanks so much for being here. Is there any... Uh, yeah, before we leave, of course, as always... Please plug everything that you do, where people can find you um, and all the stuff that you're working on. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows fantasyguru.com, RotoGut uh, on Twitter, um, but rather I just sign off by, by just uh, giving you a, a big ups, as, uh, as the kids say, or at least that's how the kids used to say it in the 90s, <laughs> uh, props to you uh, for, for really being a, a beacon of light in the industry, for just you know, being a, a genuine person, for the, the people I respect most in this industry, the people that are uh, making it that are, that are growing, 
um, and helping others grow, but without losing sight of, of where they came from and their own, you know, they, they don't let their own ego get in the way. And so that's why you're, you're one of my favorite people. I respect your work, I respect what you're building over there at Pitcher List and uh, always, always here for you and always ready to come on the show. Man, well, thank you so much, Bob. But how dare you push that back on me? That's not what this is for whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but no, Vlad, really, thank you so much for being here. Have a fantastic weekend. And for everybody listening, I'll talk to you guys next week.